Let's talk sales, everyone's favorite subject, right? New technologies, new tools, new methodologies. But have salespeople kept pace? That's what we're talking about in this three-second selling podcast episode. Hello, everyone. David G., speaker, storyteller, and author of the three-second selling platform here again with you. And joining us is Leif Larson, the general manager at SalesFolks in Seattle, a technologist, inventor, and startup sales leader. Welcome to the show, Leif. Thank you so much for having me, David. Leif, as we said at the outset, certainly the sales landscape has changed, has evolved. Have salespeople evolved as well? And have they, maybe the more salient point, have they kept pace with the changes happening in the sales landscape? Yeah, um, it's a great question. I think that clearly over the last couple of decades, we've been using uh, technology to try and better facilitate the sales process, the sales methodology. So obviously we've seen the advent of you know CRM, uh, customer relationship management systems, and in trying to uh, uh, monitor uh, and uh, curate customers or prospects, I should say, that are within the pipeline, and and uh, you know uh, making sure that you're monitoring that uh, sales development process through each one of the stages. So technology obviously has been a big part of the evolution process, but the truth is that um, there's no scarcity of information around products and services, David. The internet has basically curated most of the information that customers need. It's just out there. And so very often customers today come into our sales funnels from the side. And um, they they typically have done a fair bit of due diligence. So um, uh, presuming or or operating under the assumption that you're starting with a prospect that's coming at the top of the funnel can really be a mistake. And I I think that that's another big part of this evolution that we're going through is for, you know, basically a couple thousand years of selling on this planet, you know, there was scarcity around a product or service until someone, you know, was there, this gatekeeper, uh, you know, some form of a salesperson was there to give you the information you needed around making a buying decision. Uh, That's different today with all the information that customers have. And so the premise that I operate under and what I've seen, particularly in the evolution over the last two or three years here, is that great salespeople are no longer just doing solution selling, believe it or not. The great salespeople are honing their skills around problem finding. Um, It requires a tremendous amount of curiosity. It requires the ability to formulate precise strategic questions. What you're trying to do is learn where the prospect is at in their discovery process and what problems that they're trying to solve for and um, things like, why haven't they made a, a buying decision yet? And and what does a picture-perfect uh, purchasing outcome look like? Not just what is the solution that they think they need look like, but what happens once they buy that? What does success mean for them? And I think that's really what um, the big evolution we're going through right now is it's about not just problem solving, it's about problem finding. And in my email signature, just uh, this year here in 2023, I adopted a new component to my job title and my email signature, and I use the phrase uh, sales detective. And I know that it sounds a little funny, but it, it's it's very true. Um, you know, we really want to hone our interview uh, skills to have prospects describe in their own words what they're trying to accomplish. And, um, you know, uh, without collecting that data and doing that problem finding, we're making a lot of assumptions that can and often uh, 
can and often will be wrong. Um, so I think of this uh, evolution of where we're at today is really one of a uh, more of a fact finding exercise or capability for salespeople. Um, I'll just mention one, one last comment here on evolution. Another problem is that um, salespeople hold on to their tacit and explicit knowledge too tightly. This is a very human thing. I think that we look at this information as differentiators for us. And so it's not unnatural to hold on to uh, knowledge and tacit knowledge by its very definition is unspoken knowledge. And so it's um, not uh, uncommon for us to want to protect what knowledge we have um, to set ourselves apart and and to to continue to have what we perceive as value or or worth uh, being worthwhile. in the sales area, salespeople tend to sell on features when, in fact, uh, they could use their unique knowledge to inform and educate customers about benefits uh, to a, a given product or service. And oftentimes, you know, the, the customer may think that they need solution X when, in fact, what they, you know, they would be better served with solution Y. And so, uh, the evolution that I'm also seeing happen here is that top performing sales professionals are teaching prospects. They're very educational, and and it's not a, a, about a, a product or service in question, but more about significant business problems, new ideas, teaching, educating about astute observations, and so those top salespeople are they realize they have this tacit and explicit knowledge that they contain. And they're almost repackaging that as a, uh, a strategic um, differentiator in how they redeploy that back to the customer versus holding on to it tightly. And so they they end up uh, subsequently being less prescriptive, like you need this, and they're more educational and consult- consultative about you know sort of the the um, the problem solution matrix that the customer the client may may be operating in. I love that, Leaf. And, and speaking about being more consultative, what if, and I love what if questions, what if instead of simply telling and selling and spewing out a bunch of features and specs as we often do, we lead our customers or prospects through a discovery process, asking skilled questions at the right time and uncover pain points they might not even know they had. Research shows that this kind of methodology lowers sales resistance gets us to a close quicker and can elevate us as salespeople from product peddlers to trusted advisors, the holy grail, right? What about that? Uh, we're, we're finding that there's these common traits amongst those high-performing salespeople that um, you know others can and should know about. Um, you know, it'll still be up to you to you know try and uh, employ, you know, integrate and employ some of these tactics, you know, into your own sales profession. But absolutely, we are really uh, starting to identify some of these things that um, you know are, are are leading to better production. Talking about identifying things and and looking at new researches as you and I constantly do. I came across a factoid the other day that, that really piqued my curiosity. I think it's from Salesforce, that top producing salespeople ask 40% more questions than average salespeople and talk about themselves and their products 63% less. So why, oh why, Leaf, if we have that research, are so many salespeople still stuck spewing features and specs? I do think that the answer, you know, is is nuanced. Um, 
part of it is that we like the sounds of our own voice. I think that there's a lot of ego tied up into it. And, you know, we tend to sort of um, overshare information, assuming that um, somehow uh, we're, with more uh, of this information up front, it's going to be compelling for the customer to want to stick around for the purchase. When in fact, I, I think what you've identified correctly is that integration of storytelling into the model um, can uh, be really, really helpful because of these, you know, tribal instincts that we have around the conveyance of information that go back, you know, uh, a long time. It, it's just a better way to share the information. But I also think that we tend to, um, you know, get a little bit uh, foc focused, overly focused on the specific objectives and outcomes that we have at the expense of the specific uh, objectives and outcomes that the customer has. And that's why you end up, you know, seeing salespeople who oversell um, and, and are spending, you know, that 60% of their time talking instead of 60% of their time listening. Um, so th those are just a couple of reasons why I think that um, we get there. Um, I also think that there's a certain amount of nervousness that some salespeople, they tend to be a high, high energy, very passionate, very energetic. And um, they're not always comfortable with pauses. <laughs> you know, it, it tends to be, you know, sometimes they, they get um, so into uh, what they're doing and that, that passion, you know, is, can be well received by a customer that you care, you know, and that you find meaning around the particular uh, thing that you're representing but at the end of the day if you're not leaving openings for the customer to have that engagement it ends up becoming a very one-sided um, proposition and i think that that's where it becomes a turnoff you know for customers because they too want to participate in that conversation they want that to be bi-directional so learning to take pauses and breaks i think is uh, another thing that even good good salespeople could uh, practice a little bit more. I love that, Leaf. It is a conversation, right? We sometimes forget that's what we're having. It's a conversation. I've not heard that articulated quite like that before. So I spent a decade and a half in the TV news business, and dead air, as we call it, is one of our worst nightmares. But I actually like to build deliberate natural pauses into my speeches and sales presentations and let the words breathe a little bit. I, I, I think it feels more natural. And again, I think it also can uh, lower the pressure and, and the sales resistance. Leaf, we've already identified a few character traits of top producing salespeople, being curious, asking good questions, listening more. Let's take that a little deeper. What I'm curious, what do you consider maybe the most undervalued characteristic or trait of a successful salesperson? Recognition of speed. Um, so every single sales opportunity that exists worldwide there is a decay rate to it and you need to think about it in that context. Um, what is an, uh, an opportunity now very much can dissipate or even disappear tomorrow. And there, um, your ability to convert a customer falls off a cliff from that second that the prospect self identifies. Um, why there really isn't any scarcity in terms of customer uh, choice 
you know, when it comes to how they can go about solving their problem. You know, um, if you think that you don't have any competitors and you're wholly unique in the marketplace, you're just fooling yourself. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's become even hard to invent new products and services because whatever you think you invented this great new mousetrap, surely some kid in a basement someplace has also just invented that thing. I mean, it's just what happens in a, a w- world where the population's 8 billion, like everything exists out there and it's readily available at all places, all times. So there really isn't that, that, that uh, scarcity there. So often the first who responds to uh, a, a customer opportunity has a better chance of winning that business. And so whether you respond in one minute, one hour, one day, that can have a dramatic impact on the probability of conversion. So um, I think that that's an un- undervalued characteristic is the clock speed of your time to response. And that's something that I think really smart sales orgs are constantly working on is that that time to response. Um, so that's one, one that I'll give you. Secondly, uh, another undervalued characteristic um, that I'm just going to double down on because you're talking about this and I, I'm, I just have to double down on it is listening more than you're talking. Um, uh, folks, there is research-based evidence that that top 20% of sales performers are outperforming the bottom 50% of professionals combined and they're spending about 60% of their time listening uh, uh, to customers about 40% of their time talking. You know, in the old days of sales, there was a lot of showmanship. There was a lot of, you know, hand waving involved with sales. That isn't the case any longer. Active listening is the most un- underdeveloped skill of most of us salespeople. And yet, for those who hone that skill, it is a remarkable superpower. So I, I know, David, you mentioned it. I know this is something you've, re- you've really keyed in on. And I just wanted to double down on that because I, I wholly agree with you on that totally undervalued characteristic and one that you're never perfect. You never have mastery of that, but rather it, it, you're constantly a work in progress. And so having some humility around that and, you know, checking your yourself uh, from time to time and saying, how did that conversation go with that prospect or that customer? And, and, you know, did, did I hear them out? Was I, I listening? Was I, uh, doing active listening, was I asking good questions? Doing that constantly is going to be a huge um, you know, boon to your success. Yeah, I totally agree, Leif. And before we move on to my next kind of related question, I'll, I'll flip it a little bit. I want to mention something that uh, uh, author and speaker I interviewed by the name of Rene Rodriguez writes about. Now, he has a book called Amplify Your Influence that I really liked. And he explained to me that he came up with a formula and a sequence for what it is that we're talking about. And it's easy to remember, too. The acronym LOVE. Love. Listen. Observe. Validate. Expand. Listen. Observe. Validate. Expand. Practice these four things and use them well, and, well, we'd all be better off, salespeople or otherwise. Okay, now let's move on. We've talked about the most undervalued character trait as a salesperson. Now let's talk about the most overrated one. This answer might surprise you, but I just where I'm at in terms of my uh, career trajectory within the sales sector. I just feel like I really need to talk about this one right now. Um, and I think that that's about hitting your number. And I think that hitting your number 
is an overrated characteristic, not an underrated characteristic. And I know that that may sound absolutely crazy considering the fact that nearly 50% of all salespeople today do not hit quota. The idea that hitting your number or exceeding quota um, uh, could be an overrated thing. I, I, I know that it sounds counterintuitive, but I think that um, hitting your number merely by closing deals in a given period um, is not the right place for the sales field to be right now. And, and, and hear me out on this. Um, you see this mentality in the stock market, and I'm just trying to use this as a, a bit of an uh, analog here, but you know, in the stock market, uh, all these companies today will literally do anything you know, to hit their number for the quarter. And I think um, uh, Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett have really, you know, talked about, you know, the all the downsides to you know, short-term thinking, short-term uh, goals, short-term performance uh, goals. Uh, the the short-term thinking is like friggin' kryptonite for building sustainable futures. And so, salespeople that have the majority of their comp tied to short periods of time just simply aren't aligned towards the needs of customers or the businesses that they serve. And, and, and there's just, I find this sort of ironic and uh, instead I'm hoping that we get back to a more sensible sales models where there's this symbiotic relationship, you know, um, between the comp, uh, you know, slash upside and uh, some relationship into l- long-term performance. And unfortunately I feel like the pendulum has swung really far in one direction the average sales turnover today in your sales department is about 16 months so um that think about that for a second that's less than a year and a half and so of course salespeople are going to be orientated towards short-term performance but that just erodes uh continuity of a sustainable incremental revenue generation engine, you know, your, your revenue growth. And so my hope is that salespeople are going to uh, stick around longer, you know, start to think of this. Um, I think it was Reed Hoffman that had mentioned this, but he talked about the tour of duty, like come in and stay for, you know, some period of time, like two, three years, four years, but pick a tour of duty and come in there and stay there. Um, uh, because I think in short here, if we go through a recession, I think that um, companies, smart companies, smart uh, revenue leaders are going to start sniffing out these people that are jumping, you know, every 12, 14 months, and they're not going to want you, you know, they're going to want people that are going to stick around there and see things through. And so start to think about your sales career as a tour of duty and, and business owners, revenue leaders start thinking about aligning their compensation, not towards an immediate hand to mouth you know, performance number, um, but rather, you know, uh, what type of uh, continuity of relationship are they building with that client? And then how do you economically remunerate salespeople based on long-term retention of those customers? Maybe it's a, a bit of an annuity model, but have some comp system where you're incentivizing the sales professionals, not just for a single sale, but rather perhaps the lifespan of a customer. And we've had that at times in history where, you know, you could make a single sale and continue to um, monetize off of that as a salesperson over the the lifespan of a customer. We really got away from that. And it's all been about short-term performance. And I I think we need to rethink that a little bit. 
I could not agree more with that assessment. Leif, thanks for being our guest. Leif Larson, General Manager at SalesFolks, a platform that enables companies of any size to find, manage, and grow a virtual cloud-based sales force and function utilizing the gig economy. Thanks for being with us. I've enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much, David. Great to connect with you again. And great to connect with all our listeners as well. Creating Emotional Connections is what I'm all about. David G., speaker, storyteller, and author of the three-second telling platform. Thanks for listening. And always make your three seconds count. See you next time. So long, everyone.